Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody, what's going on? Today is Sunday. It's the 10th of September, 2017. Let's go ahead and get some contact info out of the way. And uh, then we'll jump in with the show. So if you want to contact me, I have a couple of different ways that you can do that. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. I also have an email address where if you would like to send in an email or some audio that you've recorded, I'll get that out on the show for you. Email address is firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Over on the website, there are buttons for Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. You can check those out if you'd like. And if you're ever so inclined, I do have a donate button that goes through PayPal. All right, enough of that nonsense. Let's get into some more stuff here. I debated a little bit about talking about some of this stuff. And I think I'm just going to kind of jump in with it and... Over the past probably, well, through most of the summer, we've had a extended family member that has been having some mental health issues. A lot of that has, has been sort of cutting into time that I would normally maybe be able to get on the air and, and uh, get a show out for you guys. And I know you guys understand that stuff. Uh, and the only really reason that I kind of elected to bring it up is that it's it's really kind of opened my eyes up to when somebody's having some mental health problems that that person has to be the one that real has to realize that they need help that they want to get the help you know you can you, you can't force them to do it and a big part of that at least in our situation was this person was in a, a, a lot of denial about certain things. Also, kind of some of the typical responses that you hear about, oh, you know, every, every, I don't have really any of these big problems. Every, there's a lot of people that have it a lot worse than me and that type of stuff. So anyway, I, I don't really know exactly what I'm trying to say, but maybe if you've, if you've got a uh, friend or a family member or something like that that is going through some tough times, just try and be patient and understanding with them and, and offer them whatever help you can, even if that's stuff like looking up maybe somebody that's a professional that they could go talk to, that type of thing. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and jump in and talk about some firearm stuff. So on the last show, which was a couple months ago, talked a little bit about RMRs and the compact uh, VP9 that's coming out, the SK that they've got, and I was happy that that was true. Still don't know when I'd ever get one. I'd like, I still would like to get one, uh, but it may be a budgetary thing. You know, I, I'm one of those guys that regularly sort of uh, uh, patrols the back page uh, thing and looks for good deals and stuff like that. Now, 
Uh, speaking of good deals, I was actually able to finally get a red dot. And so we'll kind of talk a little bit more about some of the red dot stuff. The one that I got was, and I'm, they got so many different models and they do this, that, and the other thing. And I'm not exactly sure which one is which or which is the newest or what generation stuff is. But anyway, somebody had posted up on Facebook. I think it was Tim had uh, posted up there a link of saying that Cabela's was having a sale on red dots and it turned out that the one that they were having a sale on was the the Trigicon, the RMR like the O2s and maybe maybe they had some that were the O1s. I don't like I said I don't know all the models. Anyway, the one that I ended up getting was the non-adjustable non-fiber optic uh, RM02 was the model and that's the one with I think the 6 and the one that I elected to get was the 6.5 dot. I wanted to have the little bit bigger dot. Uh, for me I just liked it a little bit better. I know uh, different people have different preferences on it and everything else. And the reason that I got that was the the price was good. The, the it was the free shipping and then you got like a couple extra little things on here so you actually got a really good price and it turned out that that was maybe you know 25 30 dollars more than buying something like uh uh oh like a vortex or um like a burris or something like that so it wasn't that much more than i was able to get like a trigicon that i actually that i actually wanted to get and I don't think that they have those up for sale anymore. Um, I can maybe try and take a look, see here on their on Cabela's. And Cabela's was a store that I had. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. But anyway, let's uh, we'll, we'll do that RMR02, and we'll see if anything comes up. And it does not look like it has that. Oh. And the other thing is, um, let me try this other deal here. It also came with a mount. Now, I don't know how um, how good these mounts are, but it did have a, I'm trying to, sorry about this. I know I'm kind of spacing off here. It did come with the UTG low profile and absolute co-witness thing for Trigicon. So, and that was a $50 value, which they were throwing in for free. So I figured, well, you know, how bad can the mount be? You know, it's normally 50 bucks. So I, uh, so for me, it kind of, all the, all the boxes were getting sort of, getting sort of checked off. And I thought, well, this will allow me to get in and I won't have to pay at a minimum 400, probably realistically around 500 just for the site and with the money that I save I can put that towards milling a slide so speaking of that oh well we'll get to that here in a second I guess so I um it finally came it came in I ordered it it came in relatively quickly I got it the other day and it's a neat little site I actually mounted it on um, a rifle that I have and looked through and it, you know, it's, it's nice and bright and everything and it does what it's supposed to do. And again, like I said, this is the one, it doesn't have uh, the fiber optics. It doesn't have uh, the adjustable stuff on there, which I, you know, I don't, uh, the fiber optic stuff, I 
kind of like that. And I, I do have a Trigicon scope that I've talked about before that does have the fiber optics, doesn't have any batteries at all, and I like that. Um, but on the red dot, you know, I, the batteries on these things go for so long that if you changed them probably once, once every two years, and they're always on, but if you changed them once every two years, I don't think you'd ever have a problem. And you, I don't think you'd ever would, other than if you got like a bad battery or just something in the circuitry went wrong with your, with your red dot. I don't think you'd ever have to worry about the thing going out. Uh, so anyway, I also thought, well, you know, if I if I get this and it turns out that I I don't really care for it on the handgun once I could actually get it all set up, I could use it to go on my uh, Ruger 1022 or on uh, that little I've got the Mark III, the 2245, and I could mount it onto there. And I would probably never have any problems with it or anything like that. And it would be something that my wife and my daughter and I, that we could, you know, we could all use those things and, and uh, have lots of fun with, it, especially with that suppressor that I have that, uh, the element AAC2, uh, it would be a nice little setup. So anyway, I figured, well, the price is so good that I'll be able to get in and then the, some of the money that I would have spent maybe on just the optic itself, I can use now to get the slide, my slide milled. And I know I talked about before maybe getting the, having that done on the VP9. And I still may do that, but I think what I'll probably do is use my Glock 17 for the guinea pig. And what I had originally thought I could do is, oh, I'll just pick up like an OEM slide and have that one be the the sacrificial lamb so to speak and then that way i'll still have the original slide that came with my gun and all this other type of stuff so and surprise surprise i didn't think they would be that much but when once you start looking at getting a, a replacement slide they're kind of pricey they were more pricey than than i thought they would be as a matter of fact i i think i mentioned before i like to go on back page and i kind of patrol around in there and lurk around in there and see if I can't find stuff. And I've actually found some good deals in the past, but I, uh, I saw that the, there was a gen one Glock 17 and it was like $385 or something like that. Well, when I was looking at some of the slides, they weren't that much, but they were almost that much. And I thought, well, hell I could get a whole new, I could get a whole gun for that. And then I could, uh, I could practice stippling on the frame. I could do also, and that could uh, that again would be sort of my guinea pig gun. But unfortunately, it uh, I don't know if it was a real ad or not, or if it was one of these things that uh, uh, it was on there and then somebody re- uh, saw it and then kind of swooped it up pretty quick. Because I went back to look for it, I'd seen it on there and then um, had to do some other stuff. Came back about an hour or so later, and of course the ad was actually gone. So usually that means that. Somebody was successful in making the sale. So anyway, I'll have to give you guys more of an update once that stuff, once I can kind of get some of that stuff going. But I think it's going to be something that I like. I think it's going to be something that will help me be able to shoot the way that I want to to shoot, if that makes sense for you. So what else was I? I had something else to say about that. Oh, so anyway, on the slides... 
I went over and I looked at some, uh, some places. As you guys know, I'm out here in Arizona, so I went over to like One Source Tactical and some other places, and they're a little pricey. Uh, and then I, in doing some research with the, on the Trigicon, on that RMR, and especially on the, I guess, I don't know if they call them like the Gen 1s, but like I said, I'm not totally familiar with all that nomenclature, but what they had on the one that I have, which is the RMO2, there were problems that people would experience it with it flickering. And so a, a comp, so some there were there were some fixes, a couple of fixes where oh you can bend out some of the contact points on the RMR itself and that will help to make sure that it, that it remains in contact while the slide is going back and forth. There were also some people that suggested instead of using maybe an energizer or this type of battery, if you use a Sony battery, that the Sony battery maybe is just a touch bigger or something, or maybe it's a little uh, thicker. And so for whatever reason, some people have used that and did it. Some people would take like maybe a little bit of silicone underneath there and, and do it that way. But... I had also found that there were some uh, videos on YouTube where people were saying, hey, I have this problem, and there's this company called Battleworks, which is B-A-T-T-L-E, and then works is spelled W-E-R-X. And they had a thing called an anti-flickering plate, and it's about, oh, I think it's about $10 or so. And so I thought, well, shoot, I'll, I'll probably just go ahead and order that. And I was looking on the slide, and this is on their site, excuse me, and they do have a service where they can for, uh, and it seems like it's mostly for Glocks. I don't know if they have uh, an option. I'd probably have to talk to them. But if they do a, a good job through the Glock, I may see if they could do something for the uh, the VP9 if it's something that I seem to really like. Also, well, yeah, also I wouldn't mind looking at a Delta Point Pro, and I know there's people are up and down on that, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But anyway, uh, kind of getting back to this on Battleworks site, they have a thing where you can send in your slide, and I think you could probably send in your. I don't know if you have to. I'll have to double check, and I think you could probably send in the RMR, or they may be able to just cut it there for you but you can send it in they'll mill it out for you and then we'll refinish it and i think to get it so to get it milled is about a hundred bucks then to get it finished sort of back kind of the way that it was uh, is another 50. so you're into it for 150 and then like again if i were going to get that anti-flicker plate like i said it's like 10 bucks so i'd be about 160 dollars plus shipping and all that other kind of jazz so uh, and then at that point i'm going to have to look at do i what type of sites do i want to get do i want to get the suppressor height sites things like that so that i can get it to co-witness and then i also have to decide at that point do i want to get those all done at once and then have them take care of it so what I may do is I may give those guys a call uh, sometime this week if I have the time and actually get some of those questions answered 
And if they'll agree to it, and if I can figure out how to set it up, um, which I think I should be able to, if I can figure out how to set up, how to get the call, I may have them uh, record like a, a quick segment and sort of see how they, if, if, like I said, if they're willing to do it. Uh, and let them sort of talk about kind of what they do, how they do it, uh, why they would be a good candidate for it over somebody else. As you guys know, I'm out here in Arizona. So one of the places out here that does a lot of red dot stuff is Suarez International, and their site is One Source Tactical. So I went over there and kind of checked their stuff out. And if they they have what they call like a um, like a red dot site ins- installation package or something like that. And anyway. So what they do is they'll mount that stuff. They'll, they'll, you send them your slide. You basically take your barrel and your recoil spring out, and then you send them your slide, and then they mill that out. And I don't know if they would mount your red dot for you or not, um, but you can buy, if you do that, if, let's say if you just send your slide to them, it's about 130 bucks. If you put their... Uh, sites on them, which I'm not sure who makes their sites or sites, or if they have, if they, if it's something that they have done for them. Uh, and then there's also what they call a, a slide saddle dovetail cover, which means that like if you took your RMR off, and then you'd want to have a piece that would go on, and it would screw on to where your frame would kind of look somewhat normal. It would fill in that spot where the RMR went. Uh, that's about an additional, looks like $25, 30 something like that. And then if you buy the sites from them, uh, looks like you're up to about $275. So, and I imagine for that price, if you sent them your RMR, they would go ahead and do that. Now, I did watch a video on um, in range TV that Carl and Ian do. And Carl was doing a thing with a guy that he knows who has a company and they do that ransom rest thing where I guess you can send them your stuff. I, I want to give that guy a call too. They're here in Phoenix. So I may go out there if I, if I have the time or give them a call and see what they would do. The nice thing about that is since I'm out here in the Phoenix area, I could just drive it up there, drop it off, drive it up and go get it. Um, you know, and do that type of thing. So, uh, in fact, I, I'm going to hit pause here for a second, see if I can't pull that site up so I can give you guys some information on that as well. All right, so I jumped on to that site, and that's actually KE Arms, and they do, it looks like, more manufacturing type stuff. I didn't, I didn't see any, anything on there as far as, and maybe I just can't find it on their website if they do have it. It looks like they have they have slot like a, a aftermarket slide that you can buy that is milled out and everything. So I would assume that they could maybe do it on if if you sent in your own slide because it looks like they've got a thing that says that that uh, there's like the frame upgrades and stuff. I, I again I don't see anything as far as for the slide for like milling it out. Um, unless again, unless I'm just not finding it. 
But anyway, I may give those guys a call. But it looks like if you were to go with a complete package, let's say with Battleworks, you're looking at about $300. And again, the same thing with Suarez, you're looking at about $300 for them to mill out your slide. I don't know if they refinish it. Um, so in looking at the thing on their slide, I don't know. But again, Suarez is about $290. And this would be with getting the, the slide cut, new sites, suppressor height sites installed, and then them installing the RMR on there for you. And then with Battleworks, I think it's the same the same deal. If you if you have them do pretty much everything, which is going to be from refinishing to putting on it looks like your site and everything else. Um, and it looks like the milling that they do on this is a little different. It looks like what they do on theirs, and again, this is where I'd have to actually talk to them. When they mill it out, on the on the Trigicon, it's got like these little screws that go down through the top that you can screw down into your slide. And it looks like on the Battleworks, when they actually, um, instead of just milling it out where it's all flat, and then drilling and tapping and threading you know, the holes that they tap where your screws are going to, it looks like they actually mill out posts that sit proud of the on that flat part. It's hard to it's hard to sort of describe it, um, and that kind of would make more sense. It looks like that way it would give it would give your your uh, your red dot more support. So I don't know, like I said, I'll have to give those guys a call, see if I can't maybe get them to come on with me, if they'd be willing to. They may they may or may not, I don't know. Um, or maybe that's on a slide where they only they only do that on, on slides that they have ready to go, that type of thing. So anyway, I'll have to talk with those guys. I'll also give Suarez International a call and talk with them and see what they want. Um, it would be nice to be able to drive up to a place, drop it off, and then a week later drive back out and get it, you know, where it's only a few miles away from you. Uh, and so that, like, with the um, with the KE KE Arms, I you know I bet they'd be able to do that for me. Well, like I said, I'll give those guys a call and see what they do. But you know, again, they may not. But anyway. The service that I was talking about before with that ransom, ran, yeah, ransom, rest, red dot, zero servicing. What you do is you send in your your slide with your red dot. Uh, so send us the following: your slide with the optic, barrel, and recoil spring, 50 rounds of your preferred ammo. It will all be used, and then two weeks for them to perform the service, and they'll. And the return shipping is in the cost. And the cost for them to do that is $75. But what they do is they, uh, the ransom rest basically takes all the, as much of the human error out as you can get. So the gun is in a vice, and then once you get the vice all tapped, locked down, and everything, 
you have a little lever that uses it to pull the trigger and so each time that you shoot it guarantees as much as possible it guarantees that the gun doesn't move which even if you're shooting off sandbags and stuff like that you're going to move the gun around and this that and the other thing so anyway that may be a service that I might avail myself of one day. I don't know if I take advantage of it at this particular point in time, but we'll have to see. So hopefully maybe sometime next week or the next time I uh, am able to sit down, I'll have some of this stuff taken care of and let you guys know on that. And I think that's about it. Is there anything else? Oh, well, I guess a little bit more kind of on the red dot vein is there is a company called Ash, Ashbury Precision Ordnance and I can't remember where they are located I I want to say it's Virginia but maybe not but anyway one of the reasons that these guys kind of came to my attention was that they had for the VP9 at the time that I started looking they were one of the only one of the few companies that were doing the milling on the VP9 and then they do the same thing where they can install it and everything like that and I I they used to have on their website when I was was originally looking they used to have the prices and I can't remember what their prices are now now they don't have it on their site now they don't have it listed they say oh you know go ahead and call in for the pricing and we'll let you know and then depending on what you're going to get um i want to say it's their their pricing is was pretty competitive with what i was quoting around that 300 dollars range where what they would do is they would um they would put in the sites you could either send your own sites, I think, or you could buy sites from them, and they would put those in, and then they would mill out your mill out your slide, and then they would also give you, I think, as part of that, you were getting that uh, cover plate. Um, so we'll kind of have to see on there. So I'll I'll try and give those guys a a, a ring tomorrow as well, and see and. Uh, we'll kind of go from there because I'd like to I'd like to actually get some block down prices and a lot of it I'm sure is once you actually talk to them and say oh well this is what I want and what does it mean when you say this that they'll be able to kind of kind of do that it'll be interesting to see though too who how the different customer service stuff goes uh, how each company will will kind of treat me so that'll be an interesting thing and I'm not even saying like oh would they be willing to come on the show or not? But I'm just saying just in general, how would, how are they going to treat just the average person that's calling in? Um, so we shall see on that stuff. Uh, what do we, let's see. I think we're reaching about the 30 minute mark. Uh, I did have some other things that I wanted to talk about and we'll maybe kind of get started on it. What, what I've been doing is I've been, kind of a little bit behind the scenes stuff as I've been writing down some ideas or stuff like that when I, I've got a little composition notebook and so when I 
getting away from the mic here a little bit, but when I get like an idea or something kind of hops into my head, a lot of times I'll kind of think about that and I think, yeah, that'll be something I want to talk about. And then the next day or sometimes even a few hours later, I was like, what was I talking about? What was I thinking about? So anyway, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was a lot of times, and I'm kind of a, a little bit of a sucker for it, I guess. Uh, I tend to like a lot of things that are kind of oddball or out of the ordinary. And some good examples of that are a long time ago, I bought a uh, Robinson, Robinson Arms XERL. And this was, at the time, this would have been probably their Gen 2. Uh, they've since gone on to probably maybe, I don't know, Gen 3 or 4, if you, if you want to look at it that way in their manufacturing process. But a lot of the internals and how my particular rifle was set up were kind of off that initial thing. So how, how the bolt works, how, what the bolt carrier looks like, uh, how the firing pin is configured, where maybe a buffer is in there, where, um, you know, how, how does the, you know, what type of gas tube do you got? That type of stuff. Now I liked, I liked the Robinson and I had gone back and forth on it and I thought, well, and I've still got it and I still go back and forth on, should I keep it or should I sell it? And the Robinson, the, uh, XCR, I think they're maybe a little bit more popular up in Canada or, or maybe I'm thinking of a different, of a different system altogether, but it was kind of a combination of sort of an AK and an AR-15. So it took some of the stuff from one and some of the stuff from the other but it sort of is its own, it's its own thing. And because it was, I don't want to call it like a boutique gun, but because it was from a small manufacturer and because it used a lot of its own proprietary parts and manufacturing processes and things like that, a lot of times it was hard to get aftermarket stuff, you, you know, unless, um, you know, unless it was something maybe like a grip or a trigger, uh, or, well, and even some of the triggers with that particular thing, you really weren't able to, but you could maybe get different backup sites and this, that, and the other thing. But so anyway, I've been going back and forth on that and I thought, oh, that might be a nice project gun to see if I could, uh, do a couple of different things. Maybe now that kind of some time has passed. And so that's another thing that I've got to give those guys a call and see if the particular receiver that I have and the uh, the way that things are put together, how the gun is actually manufactured, if it lends itself to buying a certain adapter to do a different stock. Mine originally came with a folding, sort of skeletonized A stock, if you remember those. And it had a little bit shorter length of pull than what I liked. Um, there was just a few things about the rifle that I felt if I could fix those things or change those, maybe fix isn't the right word, but if I could change a couple of those things that it would, it would be more suited to me. And uh, again, one of those things was the length of pull. Well, unfortunately, the stock that you got was sort of the stock that you got and the way that because it was a... 
mounting system that they sort of came up with and manufactured, there really was no aftermarket adapters. In fact, there was a guy who was a machinist, and I think he was on some of the the old uh, forums, the XCR forums, and he had you know taken an order to say, well, I've I've uh, basically milled up these things, and I can I'm going to do about you know a, a run of maybe 50 of them or whatever. And uh, since then, that guy hasn't made anything, as far as I know. Uh, and then one thing that was peculiar to the rifle is it it would sling that brass really far. Um, it had an, well, it has an adjustable sort of gas system so that you can four lets the most gas in, and then it goes down to one, which is the and then a suppressed setting. And basically, when I first got the rifle, what they say is, oh, you shoot about 400 rounds on four, and then that will kind of wear everything in. That'll be your break-in period. And then you could should be able to adjust it down to probably two, and two should run most everything. Uh, and then if you occasionally, if you're using maybe a little bit weaker powered or something isn't as high a pressure, you may then have to open it up a little bit more so that it doesn't short stroke or that, it, you know, you can avoid some of those problems. And once you kind of know that about that particular rifle, that you may have to, you you either have to kind of know that you're going to have to adjust it per whatever ammo you're shooting or find ammo that the, the that has enough to cycle the gun that you the way that you want it cycled on the particular setting that you want it set on. But one of the odd things that it did is when it would eject the brass, the um, brass deflector on the outside, I think sometimes it was ejecting the brass with such force that the actual case as it came out would hit the ejector and it would flip it and it would actually spin the thing around with such force that sometimes that the open the open mouth or the neck of the cartridge would come up and it would hit that brass deflector. And so you would get, it was almost like if you were looking at a spent shell casing and you had taken and kind of pushed in like a little V shape on the opening. Now you could, um, you could put that in, in your reloading dies and stuff and it would, you know, it's brass. So it would, it would pop it back out. But I would say probably on it, I don't know, 75% 75% of the the cases that I recovered would have that, would have that dent in there. And then other, and I, I would go on the forums and I would see other people that would have in that same problem. So I don't know, uh, again, with that, um, one of the things that Robinson did is they made a different deflector and they have one that's called the Omni, which is supposed to, you know, run with all their different cartridges or the uh, calibers, excuse me, not cartridges. So that's another thing about that rifle is you can, you could buy a, if you wanted to run, let's say, uh, 7.62 by 39, you could buy a barrel and a different bolt and you could just switch that stuff out and then you'd, you'd kind of be good to go. And it was relatively simple to do that. So, um, and they still have some of that capability, but they, they seem to have some problems with that. So I, I kind of, like I said, I, I do have a soft spot for some of the oddball stuff. Uh, and another one was I bought and, uh, had it, I actually 
had it up for sale but couldn't get the amount of money that I wanted for it. So I just thought, eh, maybe I'll keep it. But I bought, I had the um, SIG 556R. And the first generation of that, they had problems with it because they, I think they kind of cheaped out a little bit on certain things. And they eventually got in there and, and started fixing them. And then, and then you, so you had a Gen 1 and a Gen 2. And the Gen 2, they fixed some of the problems where you could go and use the metal magazines. You could use, uh, you know, some, it had some problems with the um, failure to eject and things like that. And so they fixed some of that stuff. And it was a neat, it's a neat, handy little rifle. And this was from a big major company. But again, we kind of come back to that same problem of, you know, what do you do when you've bought something like those and then they have kind of moved on from your version of that particular firearm? So at a certain point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get to where they no longer make those parts or they have things where they consider it's going to be considered obsolete or not enough people bought them. So they just kind of shelved it. And for them, they kind of talk, they just chalk it up to, well, we tried and we're going to kind of move on. And that's sort of what they did with that SIG 556R, which again, I never understood why they didn't call it like a 7.62R or something like that. That would have made a lot more sense. Um, But anyway, for whatever reason, so that SIG had its own little idiosyncrasies, but it took, you know, I, I think it took most mags. I don't think it took the TAPCO. I had, I had to modify them a little bit, or maybe it did. I can't remember. But I had a lot of the Eastern Block stuff. I had some Hungarian things. I had some Yugo mags. I think I had the TAPCO. I think the TAPCOs did fit in there. Um, and I think on my old AK... I had to file the tapcos down a little bit, but anyway, the the getting back to the sig, that pretty much took all the mags. They all stayed in there. I didn't really have any problem with them. I think on the, if I remember right, on the tanker mags, which are Hungarian, they're twenty rounders. Um, I think I had maybe one failure to feed one time. And then I, 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 that may have been a mag issue. And then maybe it was just something, uh, the spring just needed to kind of wear in a little bit or something, you know, I don't know, but, or maybe the follower had a particular burr or something and it wasn't quite pushing it up when it's supposed to be, or maybe the rifle just needed to be lapped in a little bit. So, but anyway, with that stuff, I, you know, it, it did pretty good and it did what I wanted it to do, but it's a thing where SIG has kind of moved on from that rifle. So if you want to do upgrades or things like that, there's really no, hardly any aftermarket stuff for it. And so it becomes a question of, for me, a lot of times of, well, you know, I've bought this and I've spent some money on it and I kind of like certain things about it. So should I keep it? Should I sell it? Um, and, you know, it's different when you, you know, if you were buying, let's say, like uh, Arsenal AK or even something, you know, from Rifle Dynamics or something like that, which is, you know, the real high-end stuff. At the end of the day, it's still kind of an AK. So you're going to be able to get and find a lot of aftermarket parts or replacement parts if you need them. The, the stuff is going to be out there. But for some of this 
again, maybe what I would call uh, boutique guns or, or manufacturer, uh, small manufacturing guns, or even from the big companies, is kind of their experiment to see, well, let's run this up the flagpole and see what happens. But again, SIG kind of moved on. They they addressed some of the issues they had with the Gen 1 and their Gen 2s, and they were able to go back and replace and fix stuff in the Gen 1s. And uh, the particular rifle I had was a Gen 2. Um, but then they moved on to like an XI or something like that, which... which uh, fix a few more problems, but then I think they even maybe have moved on from that. So, uh, I, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, have do you guys have any stuff that's out there that you've bought that you thought, oh, this is going to be kind of great, or this may be sort of the way of the future, or it sort of solves some problems? Because that's what I thought with that SIG. I thought, oh, this is sort of kind of the the best of both worlds, and it. I thought that it offered some better solutions in some ways to that XCR that I had. And I thought, well, this this kind of allows you to do a little bit more with it and the other thing, and some of the things that they do on here make more sense. Um, so anyway, I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you... Um, If you'd be so inclined, again, I think I'm going to draw the, the show to a close. We're hitting about probably the 40, 45-minute mark right around in there. And um, so thanks for sticking with me. Uh, I think, let me see if I can pull up the email here and see if we have... All right, so I double-checked on the email there and... I don't think we have anything. I want to look on Facebook and see. In a lot of ways, Facebook is pretty cool, but in a lot of ways, they have made it to where it is so overly complicated. And like I said, half the time, if I'm on the computer, I can see certain things. And if if I'm not on the if I'm on my phone, sometimes I can see stuff and other, you know, other times I can't, I can't see other, um, other comments or anything like that. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm looking and I do not see anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. So I, I don't know. I uh, Facebook is kind of one of those necessary evils. When I see stuff, I I, gen, I, I will try and and uh, I'll try and respond to you as quick as I see them. Um, So, yeah, anyway, um, didn't see anything I said in the email and I don't see anything here on Facebook. So I think we will go ahead and uh, call it a day. Again, if you'd like to contact me, I do have uh, the voicemail, which is 206 745 2731. 
and the email address for audio or email is firearmscafe at gmail.com. If you go on Facebook, uh, you can just type in uh, Firearms Cafe and, and the page should pop up. So, although, you know, who knows? Anyway, I think that will do it and look forward to hearing from you. I'll talk to you guys next time.